0: And I would invite you to turn in God's Word to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4. And I did not look at what page numbers uh, that might be if you're using... Oh, I have it here. If you're using one of the Bibles in the seats in front of you, it's going to be either page 858 or 912 in Acts chapter 4. And we're going to take just a little bit of time to look at these uh, verses I want us to see, verses 23 through 31 spend a little bit of time here, and uh, then, as Zach made reference to, as we typically do on the first Sunday evening when we gather, uh, to take some extended time to pray together. And Tim is going to lead that time after I'm done uh, sharing from God's Word. But let me read uh, from Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 23, and I'll read down through verse 31. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said... For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And this is the word of the Lord. And again, I want to just take some time to to kind of meditate on this passage together and think about it together, even in light of truth that we've been seeing repeatedly in Jesus' mission discourse in John chapters 13 to 16. And even as we saw this morning, this whole matter of prayer, confident prayer, is very central to all that Jesus says there uh, within the focus of uh, the mission that he has called his people to. And we know that everything that he was sending his original disciples to do in preaching the gospel and bearing witness of Christ and also in obeying his command to demonstrate his love to one another— Uh, everything that he's doing to them, with them, and commanding of them, he's doing for the entire church. It's all part of what uh, they were to be doing in teaching others to obey him. So all of those things that we see is central to the life of the church. And Uh, As we see it begin to unfold in the book of Acts, which is about the birth and the growth of the early church, uh, we see prayer being very, very central to uh, their lives, not only individually, but certainly together as well. And by the time we get to this passage in Acts chapter 4, a number of significant things have already happened. In chapter 1, uh, we read of Jesus giving final instructions and exhortations to his disciples and then physically ascending into the heavens. They watch him rise up into the clouds, into the heavens, and disappear from their sight a couple of angels uh, then tell them to be doing what Jesus has told them to do, to go into Jerusalem, to wait in prayer uh, for the promise that Jesus had promised of the coming Holy Spirit. And so the disciples do that. They also, in the interim, uh, take time to uh, pray and to determine who the disciple would be who would replace Judas, who had betrayed Jesus. And so that takes place in chapter 1 as well. And then in chapter 2, as the disciples are gathered and as they're praying and seeking the Lord on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. And he comes in a very dramatic and visible way, filling the believers in fulfillment of what Jesus had promised. And then in light of that, Peter stands up and begins to preach to all of the thousands and thousands of people who have made the pilgrimage to Jerusalem for uh, the, the, the day of Pentecost. And he preaches Christ in a powerful way. And as a result of that, Acts chapter 2 tells us thousands came to saving faith. And then from that point on, the early church continues to grow. Originally, initially I should say, in Jerusalem, eventually it begins to spread to the surrounding areas of Judea and Samaria, and then eventually to the uttermost parts of the earth, primarily through the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And that, of course, is in fulfillment of what uh, Jesus said in chapter 1, verse 8, that his people would bear witness of him first in Jerusalem, then to the surrounding areas of Judea and Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. And that really sets the framework for the narrative of the book of Acts, as it recounts really the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles in bearing witness of Christ and seeing the gospel go forward. Well, on that initial day of Pentecost, when Peter preached, there were thousands that repented and came to faith, but there were a lot that also continued in their rebellion and their hatred. And many of those, of course, were the same religious leaders that were guilty for the murder of Jesus. And so, eventually, as we read about in Acts chapter 3, uh, Peter and John are brought in to uh, the high priest and to his court and to the religious leaders, and they're commanded to no longer preach in Jesus' name. Peter tells them, we have to preach in Jesus' name. We read about this in chapter 3 and in chapter 4, and uh, Peter says, we have to preach, we have to obey God, and we're going to preach his word but they're threatened and then they're released. And that's where we pick things up in the passage that I read beginning in verse 23 of chapter 4. Upon that event, and it was really no surprise to the disciples because Jesus had predicted this and promised this and warned them that this kind of opposition was going to happen. But what we see them doing is not cowering and not running for the hills like they did when jesus was arrested and when all the events of his trial and crucifixion unfolded but rather we see them now indwelt by the spirit seeking the lord in prayer and going to him and that's what we see and this is just a a reminder to us and a very dramatic illustration in the events that we see not only here in chapter four but of course as things continue to unfold uh, with the original apostles and with the church that grew and the gospel that spread um, this is very instructive for us in terms of how we are to continually be seeking the Lord And so as we wrapped up our series through the mission discourse this morning, it just seemed fitting to take a little bit of time this evening to just be reminded of this and to look at this passage even as we continue to seek the Lord together as well for his purposes among us. And so I'm not going to uh, do a a detailed exposition through this passage. Uh, There's so much within it that is instructive in terms of how they're prayer is informed by the Word of God. And among other things, this is a a wonderful example of what it means to pray in the name of Jesus, in alignment with and in submission to the purposes of Jesus, which uh, were flowing from the purposes of the Father. And these believers now know that they're a part of that. They're in the stream and the flow of that. And so they're praying in like manner. But I do want to just highlight a few observations from their prayer that can help us even as we uh, continue to want to uh, grow in faithfully praying and seeking the Lord in light of the mission that he's called, we who believe, as his church, that he's called us to in seeking him. Uh, You'll notice, first of all, that they clearly are praying with reference to God himself and to the person of God. Uh, Notice how they begin the prayer as they lift their voices together to God, and they say, Sovereign Lord, I'm here in verse 24, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, and uh, they go on to say, "Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, and they go on to quote from the Old Testament there, Uh, but they're very centered on the person of God. They know he is sovereign. And we hear this echoed in other places through their prayer as well. And so they're focused on the person of God as he's revealed himself in his word. Uh, They're also clearly focused on the purpose of God. And uh, this is in the framework of their uh, seeking to be faithful to the mission that God had called them to. And their purpose, uh, through God's purpose of proclaiming Christ and of seeking to love one another, And this purpose is echoed in how they pray as well. They're mindful of the promises of God, of the Word of God. And again, they quote here in verse 25 from the book of Psalms, and and they're being informed by that. And certainly with the presence of the indwelling spirit, these Old Testament truths that they would have known uh, would have become very illuminated in their hearts and minds as it all relates to the person and work of Christ and God's purposes in the person and work of Christ. And so they're praying that way. And then notice as they uh, continue on, as they make reference to uh, that passage from the Psalms in verse 27, then they bring it into the immediate historical context, and they see the work of God's sovereignty even within the events that have unfolded. So they say in verse 27... For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. But then listen to this, verse 28 to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And so they understood all of these events events in light of God's sovereign purposes and plan, which is in harmony with all that God had revealed in his word. And so they're praying in light of these things. And then they pray for the Lord's provision. And that's what takes place in verse 29 and following. Uh, Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And in that first century context and in the infancy of the church before the Lord had given the completion of his word, which we now have, these original apostles were given unique supernatural abilities to perform healings and signs and wonders, which they knew were from the hand of God himself. But just as Jesus had done in his own ministry, these were a means of their gospel message being authenticated and the authority authority of that message being demonstrated uh, through these works of signs and wonders which we read about in Acts in a number of places and even here chapter 3, 4, 5 and on. Uh, We see that taking place but at the heart of that they're not just praying about miracles for the sake of miracles they're concerned about the advancement of the word of God and they're concerned to have boldness which they know they need from God to be proclaiming that word. And so God answers in a very demonstrative way. He's not giving them a second filling of the Spirit. I think there's a sense that he's, he's affirming the faithfulness of their prayers and he's answering as this new covenant is beginning to unfold ever more fully with the presence of the Holy Spirit now. He's giving them encouragement. He's giving them a reminder. He's giving them a, a, a sense of the clear and definite answer to their prayer. And as a result of that, what do they continue to do? At the end of verse 31, they continue to speak the word of God with boldness. And then it's interesting, we won't take time to look at it, but verses uh, 32 to the end of the chapter speak of how they're not only proclaiming Christ boldly to unbelievers, but the activity of Jesus's holy love is now beginning to be manifest among them as they care for one another and serve one another and are alert and attentive to the physical needs of one another. And we can certainly uh, surmise that they're concerned about the spiritual needs of one another as well. But what's beginning to happen is what Jesus had commanded them to do and what he had promised them they would be doing through the indwelling spirit. But of course, all of this happening within the context of prayer. And prayer in the name of Jesus. They're focusing on the person of God and his purpose and his promises and his provision and all of this because of all that he's revealed in his word. And so this is a a, a, a timely example continually for us. Uh, I've heard some say that the book of Acts is an Acts that believers should be reading every month. Uh, because it just constantly reminds us of our purpose and our identity as a church and it's a it's a book of action it's a book of the work of God through his people and there's challenges and there's difficulties and uh, there's internal issues within the church and conflict that can arise that we read of there's also of course external persecution uh, but it's all about what God is doing to secure the progress of his word. And whether or not you read it every month, I don't read it every month. I try to read it somewhat frequently, but it's not every month. Uh, But it is a book that we should come back to often and be reminded of God's purpose as well as all of God's power and provision for what he's called us to as his people in uh, preaching the gospel. And I've always found it interesting. The book of Acts ends, as you probably know, with Paul in uh, house arrest in a prison in Rome, and yet the Word of God is not chained. The Word of God is not imprisoned. And uh, the the, the story continues in very many ways. And really, from that first century reality of the church beginning and developing and beginning to spread around the world, uh, that's continuing even to this day. And we share in a part of it. And any of us who have come to faith in Christ have done so because God through his spirit has used his word and other people in proclaiming his word uh, to work in our lives for his purposes. And so beloved, it's just a reminder of why prayer is so important. And I know I'm preaching to the choir in many ways. We know that and we understand that. But even as we think about and have been uh, challenged and encouraged and and exhorted afresh from uh, the mission discourse about the focus of our mission, it's a reminder of why we're to be doing this not only individually but corporately as his people and seeking the Lord. And I think, too, when Jesus... Uh, says in John 16, in the passage that we looked at this morning, that we're to ask anything in his name. Uh, That's a very broad offer. That's a very broad invitation. All of our prayers, yes, are to be guided by the name of Jesus, by a concern for his person and his purpose and the things that he has called us to. And as I've said, to be aligning ourselves and submitting ourselves to his purpose but I think it encompasses in anything and everything that may be a need that we have as we strive to be faithful to his purpose. I'll just give you a quick immediate personal for instance. Uh, A few days ago, I was, it was a Wednesday afternoon, I think. I was leaving somewhere. I had met with somebody and I'm leaving. I pull my car door open and my car handle broke on my uh, uh, 2014 Nissan Rogue. It just broke off and came off. And i never had that happen before. And, uh, you know, I, I know I'm strong and everything, but uh, it just broke. And so um, I I first thought, well, what are we going to do about this? And I'm leaving tomorrow morning to go out of town. And so we only have one car. Lori and I have operated with just one car for a few years. And uh, so we only have one car. And so we may do. And, you know, you can get in through the other side or twist around to open the door. And that was a little bit funny trying to do that between her and I. But I wanted to get this fixed before heading out of town tomorrow. I'm going out uh, to Wisconsin again to see my dad uh, for a few days. And so I prayed about it and just said, Lord, please help. Don't know exactly what to do. Well, after praying, of course, Amazon is a good resource. YouTube is a good resource. So I went on Amazon, found the door handle that I needed. Uh, went on YouTube, found a video that seemed to be pretty informative about getting it done. And on Wednesday afternoon, I thought I had ordered it on Amazon because I had pulled it up on my little Amazon app, but I had forgotten to order it. And uh, it would have arrived on Friday, but fortunately, I think Thursday night, I looked because I just wanted to check the status and I'm like, oh, I didn't order it. So I ordered it, but the door handle didn't come till yesterday. So well, what that meant is because yesterday was raining. I also spent most of the day uh, studying, preparing for things this morning. What it meant is this afternoon I had to fix the door handle and I had just kind of a small window of time wanted to try to take a nap as well so anyway in the midst of that As I went out to fix it this afternoon, I just prayed, Lord, please help me. I would really like to be able to get this done. And initially, it seemed to go pretty smooth. And then there was a little bit of a snag where one element of the process didn't happen quite as quickly. Lori came out to see how I was doing. And uh, I said, well, it's going okay, but a little bit slow. And and she's learned through the years that uh, she doesn't stay around a whole lot then because I just kind of need to focus on what I'm doing. I was doing okay. I was in the spirit, I think. Uh, but she went inside she said a prayer and soon after she had gone inside the little thing that had snagged that wasn't working worked i got it fixed and it got resolved and it was all done in less than an hour now that's a goofy illustration but it's a simple way that it's a small thing to pray about those things and then there's big things we pray about right big issues that we're dealing with big trials that we're facing big challenges big needs And the point is, Jesus says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you in his name, in accordance with his purposes and aligning ourselves and submitting ourselves to that. So uh, I think he wants us to be coming to him often with anything and everything uh, so that we might be faithful to his purposes for us and to be used by him in the ways that he wants us to use, the ways he wants us, uh, wants to use us. And so Acts 4 is a reminder of that, an example of that, an illustration, and an encouragement of that, and that's why we want to take time uh, tonight, as we do typically on the first Sunday night of the month, uh, to have opportunity to share requests, to share praises uh, about spiritual things, maybe about physical, material things, and then to just be praying together for a season of time. And so I want to lead us in a brief prayer, and then Tim is going to come up to lead our extended prayer time but would you pray with me? We thank you, Father, for your word and for your encouragement. You've told us elsewhere that we are to be joyful always, that we're to pray continually, and that we're to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is your will for us in Christ Jesus. And even as we often feel guilty about a lack of prayer Uh, Lord, we realize as you've shown us in your word that that there is nothing in many ways more normal and natural to what our lives as your people ought to be uh, than seeking you in prayer. Um, as we mentioned even this morning, just in the same way that breathing is so natural to our physical bodies and so necessary, so praying to you and and sharing fellowship with you, bringing needs and burdens, even praying and confessing our sin and and uh, asking for help in temptations and all sorts of things, Father, we know that you welcome and we know that you're a good and a faithful and a generous God and that you do what you have promised and we expect great things from you because you have promised great things for us and so help us even now as we have time to seek you may we do so with with hearts that are eager to look to you together and whether we're uh, in a season of rejoicing whether we're in a season of of grieving and burden for any number of reasons and may you be honored and may you work among us in the things that you would have us to share in now we thank you for your goodness in the name of Jesus amen